You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you'd like to turn to to Genesis chapter 45. This is the final um, talk in our series on the life of Joseph. And this morning it's entitled Good Out of Evil. Uh, Those of you who've been following it on through, you will know the whole story of Joseph's history up till now. The fact that he was sold into slavery by his brothers, that he went through an incredible series of ups and downs, ended up in charge of the whole famine relief program in Egypt. And now his brothers who had sold him into slavery have had to come to him for food. And uh, yes, if you want to follow the story, you can look at it back on the website or read it in your books. But here in chapter 45, we're reading the first 14 verses. This is after Joseph's brothers um, have come back with his younger brother and Joseph is about to let them know who he is because up till now they haven't known it. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants and he cried out, make everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now, hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says, God has made me head of lord over all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept and Benjamin embraced him weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. And afterwards, his brothers talked with him. So at last, the reconciliation is complete. There's been a gradual build up to this, but now at last, 
They know who he is and they're receiving forgiveness and mercy that they would never have expected because they were terrified when they discovered that it was Joseph, knowing what they'd done to him. And it's interesting just to remember that when it comes to this business of reconciliation that we were talking about in an earlier sermon, it doesn't work to just sweep all the rubbish under the carpet. You can't have reconciliation without resolving the issues. So actually Joseph doesn't, doesn't sort of push it away. He says, yeah, I'm Joseph. I'm the one you sold into slavery. But actually, I'm here and I'm offering you forgiveness and mercy. It's really hard for them to believe that's not the way they would have behaved. Let's be honest, the sort of brothers they were, that would have been beyond their understanding. And they still remain a rather quarrelsome bunch. It's what he says to them when they're going back to their father. He says, don't quarrel on the way. He knows they've changed, but not that much. But actually for them, this grace, this mercy, this peace that Clive was talking about on our last sermon about this must have been overwhelming. And here they are embracing Joseph and talking with him. What a wonderful picture. And that, that reconciliation is possible only because Joseph has been willing to forgive and has been willing to extend mercy. What a parallel there for us. How is it that we get grace, mercy, reconciliation with God? It's because of what Jesus did. And on the day of Pentecost, when Peter's preaching to the crowds in Acts chapter 2, you find him say, he's talking about, you know all about what's happened, people, about Jesus, how you handed him over to be crucified? And now I'm telling you that this same Jesus whom you crucified, God has made him Lord and Christ. Again, you need to remember what happened. You need to be willing to acknowledge what you did. You need to be willing to know that you need forgiveness and that without forgiveness, you've got no hope at all. But actually, we have someone who has been willing to bear the cost of all that was done to him by those who hated him so that those very same brothers, those very same people, could receive salvation, could be given new life, new hope, could be preserved. This is just amazing. Because not only are they forgiven, but they're provided for. Now, they've already had two years of famine and it's desperation that's driven them back to Egypt. But actually what they don't know and Joseph does, because if you've read the earlier story, you know how he knows. There's another five years of this to go yet. So actually, without some kind of intervention like this, they're all going to be dead. But here is Joseph saying, actually, God sent me ahead of you. And now I'm in a position to bring the whole family here and to provide for you here, to provide you with land, good land, to provide you with a home, with safety and security. 
And if you read on a little bit after the bit we read, you'll find that Pharaoh heard about all this and he's saying, yes, you can come to my kingdom. I'm so pleased with Joseph. I'm happy to have all his family here. And so actually they are saved for the present and for the immediate future. Everything they're going to need is being provided by the one they rejected and sold and as far as they knew, had delivered over to death. What an amazing story. Isn't this the gospel being foreshadowed for us here? And of course, as I was mentioning last time I was preaching in this particular series, this is not just about them. It's about the whole purpose of God. See, it wasn't just about Joseph being preserved and prospering, not even just about Joseph's family. Because, you see, Joseph's family were the ones who were carrying the promise made to Abraham that his descendants would become a great nation and through that nation all the families of the earth would be blessed. That actually through that nation God would bring about his rescue plan for the whole creation. So actually for them to have died out at this part, this point would have been disastrous. But God is watching over his purpose and here we have them. They are saved and so is their part in God's plan for the future of everyone else, for his longer term purpose. Make sure I haven't skipped anything I wanted to stay there, no? So, how come Joseph is able to say all this? Joseph has had a big change in perspective during his years in Egypt. As a young man in his own family, he knew he was favored, he knew he was gifted, that his father actually trusted him with, uh, with the, uh, the management of the family business. He knew his God, and he was the favored one. But since then, it seemed like everything had gone wrong for so many years. And there he was, he was unfairly treated, he was misjudged, he was falsely accused, he was forgotten about, left in a prison, moldering away in a dungeon. And then suddenly everything has turned around and he's now Pharaoh's right-hand man. And because of his understanding of what God had said about this famine, everything is now say, effectively in his hand. But in that time, he's been discovering a change in his whole perspective on life. Three times he says it to his brothers in that passage we read, God sent me ahead of you. Actually, it was them that sold him to the slave traders and the slave traders sold him to Potiphar and Potiphar's wife falsely accused him and they got him thrown into prison and then he got forgotten about by the people whose dreams he interpreted in prison and then suddenly everything turned right. But yet he says, I'm here because God sent me. Behind the actions of all those people, some of whom were acting very wickedly, he saw the hand of God and the purpose of God being worked out. So actually Joseph has learned 
that although he seems to have been the victim of other people's sin and brutality, actually, he's not just a victim of circumstances and other people's sin. He is part of God's plan, an instrument in God's hands for furthering God's purpose. And nothing and nobody has been able to prevent that. God has been in charge all the way through and has even used that wickedness, that injustice, that brutality, that sheer downright lying. He's used it all to bring about the salvation of his own people through this famine and through them his plan and purpose for the salvation of the whole world. So that even their undeniably evil plans have not only been thwarted, it's not just, yeah, my enemy's plans have been brought to nothing, I can gloat over them now. Not only have those plans been thwarted, but they've actually been gathered into the purpose of God and used by God to bring about what? he planned. There's a verse in the Isaiah, I think it is, no weapon that's fashioned against you shall prosper and you shall confute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication from me, says the Lord. So actually all their plans, all their plotting, all their hatred, all came to nothing. It did not achieve what they had planned. And it did achieve what God had planned. Can you imagine the devil screaming with frustration at this point that everything he had planned through the people he had managed to manipulate and all that he had organized to try and thwart this plan of God to defeat him and save the world not only has it not worked, but he's even been the agent of it happening. Yeah. My goodness me. No wonder Satan is going to spend eternity gnashing his teeth in hell. The sheer frustration of that, the inability to change God's plans. And even to find that in everything, including even the devil's own wicked schemes, God works with those who love him to bring about his purposes. And at the very end of uh, the book of Genesis, you find that um, Joseph's brothers are still a bit worried that he might be secretly waiting to get his own back once their dad dies. So after his dad dies, they're sort of throwing themselves on his mercy again and pleading with him. And he's, he's weeping, he says, have you not seen all that I've done for you? How I've provided for you? Why do you still think I'm harboring grudges against you? Don't you believe me? And Joseph says to them then, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. 
So then don't be afraid, I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. That's in chapter 50 and verse 20. So when Joseph says to them, am I in the place of God? He's got his perspective right. We could all have understood if he'd wanted his, his family to get their comeuppance. But actually, Joseph knows, I'm not God. It's not my job to judge other people. It's not my job to decide how to sort it all out. It's not my job even to vindicate myself. Am I in the place of God? No. I'm not going to take on God's job, he says, because I am his instrument for his purposes. And you may have intended evil, but God intended good. And he is the one who's Lord of history. He is the one who works out everything according to his will and purpose. And I can trust him to deal with you and with everything else because I know my God is good and he's faithful and he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And even in this fallen world, we need to be sure like Joseph was, with all the evidence around us that wickedness is still desperately in its last death throes. But God is Lord of history. He is working things out according to his plan and purpose. We were singing earlier on that song based on the Lord's Prayer. And it's a prayer we, pr we pray regularly. And we need to know it's a prayer that will be answered. Lord, may your name be hallowed. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we have the absolute cast iron promise in scripture that Jesus, who we see foreshadowed here in the story of Joseph, he has done all that is necessary to bring the reconciliation. And now through the instruments of God's purpose that the people who are joined to him, in other words, folks, you and me here in this room, through us, he is working out his purpose, the bringing in of that kingdom. We're like the, the advance guard of it, proclaiming it and demonstrating it in the way we live so that the world can begin to see there's a better way, so that the world can see the way God wins battles and victories, not with guns and bombs, but with a cross and the power of life which defeats death. When the life was laid down willingly, not taken from me, Jesus said, I give it. And in that self-sacrifice, he proved that life is stronger than death, that death is defeated. In his resurrection, we see it, death is defeated. And at long last, we will one day see that kingdom come on earth. There's going to be renewed earth and renewed heavens. And there will be no doubt about who the king is. And the people who are serving him and administering that earth 
will be those who love Jesus, who respond to him, who like Joseph's brothers may be absolutely overwhelmed at the grace and mercy that's made that possible, but so grateful that now we offer ourselves to him as slaves, like Joseph's brothers did in chapter 50, only to be told, no, I want you as brothers, as sisters, as friends. I want you in my kingdom. And so the story of Jacob finishes with him back with his son Joseph in the kingdom, a strange foreign kingdom at this moment, but Jacob is living in a foreign land under the rulership of his son in Egypt. But one day he knows he's going back to fulfill the purposes of God and eventually as we used to sing in a, a hymn I sang often at school, God is working his purpose out as year succeeds to year. God is working his purpose out and the time is drawing near. Yes, nearer and nearer draws the time. The time that shall surely be when the earth will be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Echoing there from Isaiah 11 and Habakkuk 2. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And which bit of the sea is not covered by water? There will be no bit of the earth that doesn't shine with the glory of God because God is in control.